I've really loved how God is taking a lot of what I thought were failures when it comes to work or my inability to rest the way it looks like everybody on Instagram does, right? And he's really redefining a lot of that and showing me that he has created us all to do good work for his kingdom. And it's one of my favorite things to encourage women in, especially because I think we can really struggle with figuring out if our work matters, if there's worth to it, if it doesn't look fancy or big, or if anyone even sees it. Hey everyone, it's Mary DeMuth and this is The Restory Show. And woohoo, today I have Crystal Stein on with me. She's the author of Holy Hustle and she is super fun and you're really going to enjoy this episode. So Crystal, thank you so much for coming on The Restory Show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So let us know a little bit about your heroic origin story. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, I love this. I'm a, I love a hero story. So this is so fun. Uh, I grew up in a very small town in Pennsylvania. It's actually the same small town I live in now. And it was always really fun. We our traffic jams. I always joke it's you tractor equipment and school buses and horse and buggies are traffic jams for us around here. So if that gives you an idea of the kind of small town that we live in and it was, you know, I always grew up going to church with my grandparents, but they also were uh, the type that had a tendency to switch churches anytime they felt a little bit slighted uh, by what was going on there. So it wasn't a consistent presence in my life. It wasn't until I was 16 that I um, dedicated my life to, to Jesus and became a Christian. And so I still feel like I'm pretty new at all of this. Uh, 16 feels like it was a lot uh, more recent than it actually is <laughs> if you look at m- how old I am. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was so special. And it's um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart now. And so he was such an instrumental part of just my growth in my faith at that point, And even just teaching me, you know, how to pray out loud or how to pray. You know, those were all things that we sort of grew up learning together and him having a, an influence in my life on that. So my husband, Matt, uh, we've been, like I said, we were high school sweethearts. We dated all through college, got married, moved back to the small town where we both grew up and now live. And so he's a teacher. He teaches third grade at the elementary school that I went to when I was little. And now our daughter, <laughs> right? I mean, it is small town. So totally. um, it's like two minutes from our house. And now our daughter, uh, Madison, she's sick. She just finished kindergarten there. So it's... um. I distinctly remember the desks and the hallways being a lot bigger whenever I was there. Now I go in and I'm like, well, all these third graders are taller than me, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so crazy how to, um, I, I just can't even imagine because I grew up in like 75 different places. So I never had that, but I had this longing to have a small town and to go back. And I know that I've, you know, I've heard you can never go back and you're different and everything, but I think it's really cool that you're back there and um, you know, living out your hero story in Pennsylvania. So that's cool. It is really special. You know, it's not what I imagined. I imagined I'd be in a big city somewhere doing all of this, but you know, God doesn't make mistakes when he puts us where we are. And so I've really tried to embrace that recently, you know, just being able to do the work God's giving me and to honor and love the neighbors he's given me, right? Like the people actually outside my door with these gifts and not have to feel like I have to travel or be on a stage or something. It can all happen at the grocery store or at the bank or at the farmer's market. So I think that's so true. And it really ministers to me because I've been where I am in Rockwall, Texas for um, over 11 years now. It's the longest I've ever been in a place. And I know people when I go to the grocery store and 
you know, I just have that longing to just minister within my community. And I, I just affirm that it's, it's a really lovely place to be. Mm-hmm. So what is the story that you want to share with the Restory listeners today? I am looking forward to hearing it. Oh, well, one of the things that God has really been writing a new story about in my life has been about this desire that he put in my heart to work, uh, to honor him with the gifts he's given me through work, but also to learn how to rest well. You know, it's working hard is easy for me, but he's really teaching me that it's this both and lifestyle that he gives us an example of in Genesis, where he created and worked and did the job until it was done in six days. And then he rested when it was done and he took time to call the work good before continuing with the rest of the work that he had to do, right? So it's um, just been this incredible journey for me that I've I've really loved how God is taking a lot of what I thought were failures when it comes to work or my inability to rest the way it looks like everybody on Instagram does, right? And he's really redefining a lot of that and showing me that he has created us all to do good work for his kingdom. And it's one of my favorite things to encourage women in, especially because I think we can really struggle with figuring out if our work matters, if there's worth to it, if it doesn't look fancy or big, or if anyone even sees it. I so agree. And tell me a little bit about your, you know, because I know that you've arrived at this place, but there must have been some disappointments or some disillusionment along the way. So can you tell me a story about maybe that or maybe something that you had a misconception about that God's changed in your mind? Oh, absolutely. I think that one of the most interesting parts of this entire thing has been the fact that, you know, I always thought that I would work in this, um, really big career, right? I I wasn't the kind of person who dreamed of my wedding day or my family. I always dreamed of my career. (laughs) And so um, the work part was always easy for me. But I was very surprised to learn that working in the way that, in, in the hustle way that, you know, most of the world defines it, where we work 24-7 and we're climbing over people and we're, you know, scrambling up that corporate ladder and doing whatever it takes. I did all that. And at the end of the day, I I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't content. I wasn't closer to God. I was sacrificing relationships. And although I had the business card, like I'd achieved these goals I set for myself, right? I had the fancy business card. I had the title. I was an assistant vice president in marketing before I was 30 years old. And yet at the same time, I still felt very much like there was more, like it wasn't, that wasn't enough. And so one of the things that I had to learn through that is that, you know, sometimes God is, you know, giving us hints to, to stop doing what we're doing because it's not the right thing, uh, because it's not honoring him and we're putting ourselves on a pedestal. And I was really good at ignoring that. And he works in really, uh, obvious ways in my life because I think I'm a little bit slow to pick up on what he's trying to tell me. And so, you know, I I feel like for a long time he was giving me this nudge that like the way that I was working in this position was not how he wanted me to glorify him because it was all about me. And then I was fired from that job and I was like, oh, well, I thought I was saying yes to everything and I was working hard and I was doing all these things. And shouldn't that mean job security? And God, and God had to really take that away from me for me to realize that I had put my security and my confidence and my future in that job, in the title, in the, 
in the recognition that I was being given at meetings and in different things like that. And that is not at all where our security comes from. It comes from knowing that our title is a daughter of the king. And, you know, we are his heirs and we are his children. And that is what we need to be telling the world when they ask, you know, who we are and what we do has nothing to do with what gets written on a little piece of paper that I can hand out at networking events, right? (laughs) So, which as an introvert, I always hated those anyway. So I was like, well, this is way better. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so it really took failing for me to be able to learn what success in God's kingdom look like. And I I resonate with that as I remember the time when um, we were church planters in France. And so we had raised our salary and there was this, this connection between the fact that God was our provider and us being there. And we forgot that when we got back to the States because we got jobs, you know, my husband got a job and then he lost his job. And we got back to that place, that place of dependence on, wait a minute, we were wrong in believing that that job was our provision. It was actually always the Lord. So we're all missionaries in a sense. We're all kind of raising, supporting God's the provider and and we just do it in different ways. But um, I appreciate you you saying that when you were fired, how did you feel and what did you initially do? Oh, I was devastated. I was just heartbroken because I thought I had done all the right things for this to be, you know, somehow in my head, even though I'm not part of this generation at all anymore, I was like, well, I'm clearly just going to be here until I retire and they give me a gold watch. That's still a thing, right? Like, I don't even think that's a thing, you know? And, <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> you know, and you know, I'm, I'm on the, high end of it, but I'm a millennial. And like, I don't think we do that anymore. And that's just not, that's not the work environment that exists anymore. Right. And so it was an amazing opportunity for me to be able to learn marketing on the job. It's not what I went to college for. I was an English major. I have always loved words. And I, you know, my dream when I was little was I wanted to be an editor for a magazine in New York City. Which I I always laugh because I'm like, well, I still got to be an editor, but God knew that the internet would exist far before I did because I'm older than it. So, you know, he just had it a little different than what I thought. But, um, you know, it really, it was devastating. I remember sitting on my sofa and just in tears for just days because at that point, Maddie was really little. She was, you know, probably not even two years old. And I just kept thinking, how are we going to do this? How am I going to provide for my family? How are we going to pay for you know, diapers and food and all of this. And it really was this, it was a season where I realized that the way that I'd been hustling was not sustainable. It wasn't something that I was meant to do for, you know, you you can't keep that up. You can't keep working 24 seven and making sure that you're the first one to do things and making sure that you're constantly like protecting your ideas and making sure people give you credit and you're getting proper recognition. Like that's exhausting. And trying to, you know, be the kind of, you know, put on the facade of a person who is constantly, you know, happy and everything's fine and you can't ever have a bad day because then people, you know, judge you about that. Like that, it was, I was exhausted and I was burnout. And you know, in a lot of ways, God saved me from continuing down that road. But I did, I had to, I felt like I had to scramble to find what was next. What is the next thing I could do to help support my family? And it gave me the opportunity in a lot of ways to 
actually chase those dreams that I've had for a long time about being an editor and serving through, you know, writing and helping other people with that. Because the thing that clicked for me in that season was, okay, I can be a virtual assistant. Like, this is what I can do. I can... I have I've made enough connections online, which I listen, I love the internet. I'm a big fan and I see it as a missions field for sure. So I'm like, listen, if we're called to take the good news of the gospel to the dark corners of the earth, what better place than to be a Christian on the internet, right? So I had made all these wonderful connections with women who were writing and blogging and they had books coming out and they were just, they were feeling overwhelmed. And I was like, what can I help you with? Like, can I help you like just respond to emails? Like, what can I do? And so it really went from me being in this position where I felt like it was all about me to having to step back and serve other people and be really humble about the fact that there were things that you know, there are other things that I could have been doing maybe, but like this was where God had called me. And it was a season of serving that was really so special to me to be able to do that. And what did you learn in the midst of that? And and this is probably a loaded question, but what did you learn about the Christian industrial complex in the midst <laughs> of that? <laughs> because there is, if, if we're going to talk a little bit about holy hustle and rest and burnout um, as one who's been in the middle of that industrial complex for over a decade and more, um, I know what that's like. And I know that there's a lot of chewing up and spitting out and there's a lot of stress there. So what have you learned when you were in a servant position in that industry? Yeah, you know, I think in that position, it it wasn't as bad. Oh, bad's not the right word, but um, it wasn't... <laughs> Because I I was working with friends at that point. And so that was different. Whenever I did work later, um, you know, I worked for Dayspring and Encourage. And that was new to me, working in a ministry like that, where it was ministry and business and that tension constantly of the two. Um, that was eye-opening to me. And it just reminded me that we are all sinners and we are all people and we are all human and we make mistakes and we bring all the same emotions and dreams and, you know, ideas and judgments and assumptions to the table that anybody else does, you know, and you just, you hope that those things are approached with grace and love and sort of from a different perspective. They're not always, but, um, you know, I've, I've definitely worked in different ministries enough to know that things things are still not perfect because it's a broken world. And so people come to it with all of that. And yeah, that was, that was really eye opening to me because from the outside looking in, you see these, you know, big ministries online and you're like, well, clearly that must be an amazing place to work where they're all just best friends and everybody gets along and, you know, they must make decisions so easily and look at all this stuff and behind the scenes. I mean, I currently work for my home church and I was very honest with them when they offered me the job that I was like, I am afraid to take this job because I don't want to hate coming to church on Sundays <laughs> because you know, you've been like when you're behind, when you see behind the curtain, it can do one of two things. It can really encourage you about the work that God is able to do through people in ministry, or it can make you want to run as far away as possible. And, you know, I've seen both. I've, you know, been on behind the scenes of other churches. And I'm like, well, you know, you go in on Sunday morning and suddenly like you can't even worship because you know the drama that's happened between like, you know, who's on stage and who's in the sanctuary and all that. And, you know, it's, it's something in the last year that that is part of the story too, that God is rewriting for me is that he has used this job 
serving here locally at my home church to redeem a lot of hurt and a lot of hard things that happened when I was serving in ministry. And it was more of a national global level thing, you know, and he's showing me that it's not always the way I experienced it and that there can be healing and restoration and honesty and grace in this situation, even if it is ministry and business fighting that tension. Um, but yeah, I, I was, it took a lot of counseling, honestly, after leaving that ministry position to really be able to wrap my head around how, like what I just experienced, because I think I had it on a pedestal. I had this ministry work, you know, thinking it would be so different and I wasn't prepared for what it really would be. And it's not to say it was bad. It was an amazing experience. Um, but at the end of the day, it it was still a big surprise whenever I realized, oh, these are actually just people too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that the grass is not greener. I think there are a lot of people who will look over the fence of of that, you know, ministry slash business. And when they're intertwined like that, it is a bit more complicated. But you're right, we'll we'll make a judgment call and think, okay, that is awesome. And we don't realize that in every position, there's going to be highs and lows and difficulties and easy parts. And uh, the grass is not always greener. And that's where the beauty of contentment comes. So what kind of role does contentment play right now in your life? Oh, I love that question so much. It's I think with a six-year-old, contentment is something that we just talk about on a daily basis because, I mean, she is constant. you know, we don't even have cable, but she watches enough stuff that she's like constantly even bombarded with advertising. And, you know, I see the way that the world tells her she should have more or need more or do more. And she's six. And I'm like, no, we can be happy with what we have, you know, uh, right where we are. It doesn't have to be more. And, you know, for me, that's been the biggest lesson personally, probably over the last six months or so is just realizing that, you know, where God has me right now is on purpose for a purpose. And I can be content here because I can see the value in the work that I'm doing for him. And once I've stopped making it about me and what I can get out of it, or, you know, what the end result is to make me look better or what the opportunity is on the other side of this. And I really just stop and try to do my very best to be open-handed with my work and with my agenda and allow God to, to have more of a, you know, I, I allow God to be God <laughs> and I stop trying to do his job for him. Then it's a lot easier for me just to be content and say, all right, God, like, you know, this is, it's not perfect. There are still things I wish would be different, but if this is where you have me, then this is what I'm going to do. And it doesn't need to be more or be bigger or be fancier. And, you know, I thought one of my biggest fears whenever Holy Hustle came out was that I was going to really just stalk all of the reviews on Amazon, right? Because, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to really want to know what people are saying. And that was on, it was my biggest prayer request for the entire thing is that God would just take that desire away from me because I just wanted to be content knowing I listened to the message he gave me. I was obedient to put it in a book. I was faithful to do the work. I could celebrate that it was out and it was good. And then that could be it. And then I could just rest and I could know that whoever he needed it to get to, he would take care of. And I would do my part, you know, just to honor what he was asking me to do, but not go above and beyond and get burned out and crazy. And honestly, I, 
I had somebody message me. They're like, oh, you really should read the reviews on Amazon. They're lovely. I'm like, well, they're all from my launch team. So obviously they're nice now. But <laughs> I was like, I don't even want to. I was like, don't even tell me. Like, I don't want to know. And um, so I was so grateful that he he came through with that one because it's such a silly prayer request to have, I think, because it seems so so small. But I know my personality enough to know that I would fixate on that. And it would make me not feel content or not honor the work that had been done. That's so good. And I, you know, the, as you talk about this, just a little bit of the behind the scenes journey, I want to hear kind of more of the blow by blow of how, why this book, how did it come about? What caused you to write it? And why, why did you write it? And who did you write it for? So this whole book is basically God saying, well, I'm going to have you put all your failures in a book (laughs) 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 because that's easy to write about. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, No, this is probably, you know, one of the very first stories I tell in in Holy Hustle is about watching Shark Tank. And, um, you know, at one point, Mark Cuban makes a joke about how it took him 10 years to become an overnight success. And I'm like, that is it. Like, that is so like what we see right? We see the people who have made it and we see their success stories and we see the end of their journey, but it's all about the stuff that happens for the 10 years leading up to it where we work you know, unseen and unnoticed and we're just obedient to do the work. And then you know, we constantly are seeing other people's success stories. And you know, I wanted to really talk about what it is about work and rest that feels you know, kind of divisive. So on one hand, I, it can't, I, I was struggling with the fact that, so I love work. So on Instagram, I would follow all of these amazing people who were entrepreneurs and they were talking about hustle and they were talking about, you know, working 24 seven. And they were constantly talking about how they had to, you know, work all the time to get their products out. So nobody else would steal their ideas. And on the other hand, I was, following all of these amazing women of faith who were talking about rest and soul care and grace. And I was like, well, I'm not doing either of these things. Well, <laughs> like, I'm just not like, this is, this is not this, like, it feels like it's one or the other. And so after, you know, being fired from a job, after changing jobs a couple times, being asked to resign from ministry and, you know, trying to be a mom and a wife and a friend and all of it. And like, I traveled and now I was at home and, you know, all of this, just trying to sort out my identity in this. So I knew that the journey God had taken me through was to say, listen, your security and your identity is not in work, but that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to do good work for my kingdom. So I wanted to not give up on on that, on that desire to work, but I also knew I needed to rest. And I knew it, for me, didn't look like you know, two hours in a quiet time chair with a fuzzy blanket and a candle every morning, like I would just be asleep. Like that's just, that's not how God created me. And so for me, Holy Hustle is this coming together of working hard and resting well in ways that honor God's kingdom with everything that he's given us and being good stewards of the way that he's created us because our rest can be as unique and different as our work. And I wanted women, I was, you know, I sat in Starbucks and wrote this book and you know, the first time around when I tried to write a book, it got rejected by everybody. And the second time around, whenever I was, I participated in sort of a group project for a book, my name got taken off the cover before it came out. So this was not a great process for me. It was a lot of like, okay, if this is going to happen, clearly it's going to be all God because I cannot do this. Like, this is just not working on my own. Um, You know, so 
And that's one of the things I was really honest about. Like I have written three book proposals. I have gotten rejected by all the publishers. I will say publishers reject you in the nicest way possible. They're like the sweetest people ever, but it's still a no, (laughs) you know? And so this wasn't something where I woke up one day and was like, oh, I'm going to write a book and here it is. Like that is, that is not my, my story at all. Um, But it was God's timing and his protection over stories I shouldn't have told whenever I tried this the first time. He was protecting relationships and he was protecting me. And I get that now. That's not easy to see in the midst of all the rejection. But when this one came together and it was all his timing and all like everything was less, I made it as little about me as possible, I think was part of the fun. I had somebody ask me, they're like, okay, so was writing a book as hard as you thought it would be? And I was like, well, I think I did it wrong because I had a blast. Like I had so much fun. I got to go to Starbucks and people watch and drink a lot of coffee. And I wrote this book and it has been the message that God has been working on in my heart for probably three years now. And so because of that, it was a joy to get to put the words and the stories on the page and to make it about getting women closer to God to abide with him through his word, not necessarily my story. I mean, there's parts of it in there, but it's mostly about what God has to say about work and rest and his purpose and his plans for us. And to know that there are women who will pick this up and think it's for, it's not for them because maybe they don't work in an office or they don't do this or they don't have this title. And to be able to have them pick it up and realize it is for them because we all have work to do. We are called to a, this life that's faith in action, you know, and it's not action to earn our salvation, but it is action after we are saved to go and spread the good news of the gospel and make disciples. And so how do we do that in our everyday, ordinary day-to-day lives? And how, you know, what does God's word say about that? Who are the people in scripture who do that well that we can learn from? And then what is he telling us about how we're serving or striving or how we're resting, or maybe we're using rest as an escape or a way to avoid our responsibilities. And then maybe we sneak into laziness. And how do we come back to that center where we're working hard and we're resting well in ways that refuel our souls and our hearts so we can keep doing the work that God's calling us to do? Mm, I love that. And I love that God has us all on interesting journeys. There are entrepreneurs out there listening. There are stay-at-home moms and stay-at-home dads, and there are people in the workforce. And we all, 100% of us, have to have that kind of balance of understanding work and play and rest and Sabbath and and all of that. So I appreciate that message because I think it's for 100% of us. (laughs) And uh, we can all relate to it. What kind of advice would you give to someone who has gone through something similar? Maybe maybe someone who has, um, they're in the middle of a shift right now where maybe they've lost a job or they're maybe starting an entrepreneurial adventure or whatever, but they're in that like that liminal space between now and not yet. What kind of advice would you give to them? Oh, well, I would say to be faithful to go through it. I think one of the things for me is that I would always try to find a way to get around. Like, okay, if I can avoid going in the valley or through the hard thing or skip ahead from the waiting, then I would I would try to do it. And those shortcuts only shortchange me from what God wants to do in my life and what he wants to teach me in those moments. And so my only advice would be to have faith that if God has called you to this, he will equip you and he will provide mm-hmm. for you. 
and he will be your strength. And also to remember that although we know that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, God does not ask us to do everything. So, you know, we can take a step back and we can rest without feeling like we're going to miss out or that we're going to be overlooked or that, you know, something isn't going to come together. We can rest with confidence so that whenever we do the work, whenever the business starts up or whenever, you know, we have an opportunity to start a new job or that next thing does actually happen that we've been waiting for, that we can be ready to do it. And we haven't burned ourselves out striving to get there. Another question, as I think about what you're saying, um, it's been said that comparison is the thief of joy. How have you seen that play out in your life? Oh, it for sure (laughs) is the reason I was asked to resign from one of those jobs because it is, it is such a nasty trick of the enemy to get us to compare ourselves to others. Um, You know, one of the things that I try to remember in my own life is that, and maybe it's because words of affirmation are sort of one of my love languages. So this is how I receive love. So maybe this doesn't work for everybody, but I always, I just try to remember that encouragement and envy can't coexist. Like my brain literally cannot encourage somebody and be envious of them at the same time. And that is not, a. I mean, I have only learned that lesson because I have been terrible at it. So, you know, I'm not speaking from a place of perfection or, you know, I'm not an expert there, but yet comparison, it's, it steals our joy, not in the sense that it just makes us unhappy, which it does, but because it draws us further away from being the person that God has created us to be and living in the f- like full abundance of that. And I think that when we can abide with God and we can be confident in who he made us to be in the gifts he's given us and know that, you know, like it tells us in scripture with that beautiful example of the body of Christ actually being, you know, described as a body, you know, we are all essential. We Whether you play the part of, you know, in in Holy Hustle, I use a Lego example, right? So my daughter loves Legos. And so whether you are like the feeling like the big solid base piece that you start everything on, or you feel like the teeny tiny little like sparkly snowflake thing that happens at the end, like all of that has to come together in order for it to paint this picture and to build this structure, right? So with one of those pieces missing, it falls apart. And I think that when we remember that the kingdom of God is like that too, where, you know, when we're comparing ourselves to other people and we are living in a place of judging our talents against somebody else's, we're failing to not only do what God created us to do, but we're failing to experience this incredible opportunity that happens whenever we work with somebody else and how much further we can move God's kingdom forward right in our own towns, in our own churches, you know, right where we are, because we're refusing to collaborate because we're comparing instead. Exactly. And that's just a beautiful way to say that because you're right. We miss out on, um, we miss out on what God wants for us and we miss out on some joy and we miss out on better productivity because yoked together, we can pull a lot more than yoked separately. Yes. And our brains will fixate on that for sure. And you will, I mean, I've lost, I've lost hours of my life. I mean, probably days and weeks of my life fixating on conversations and things that I'm comparing to. And like, what did she say? How did she get that opportunity? Like it's a waste of time, honestly. And 
but I find myself in it. It is a struggle still for me. I have to be very aware. <laughs> I have to really guard my heart against it. I unfollow people on social media all the time because of it. <laughs> exactly. So uh, as you look over the last year, um, as this book has come to print, how has God restoried you or given you a new story in the past 12 months? I think that the biggest way that he's given me a new story is just like we were talking about earlier, that sense of contentment. Um, and really just bringing me to a place where I can stop and rest without feeling guilty about it. And I can work without shame and I can celebrate the work when it's done without jumping in immediately to the next thing. And that is a huge thing for me. It is not how I have worked in the past. Typically my brain goes 24 seven coming up with ideas for the next thing. And it has been such a joy to be able to just stop and be able to say, you know, just with a, with such gratitude, you know, I think it's been such a season of gratitude for me and that has made such an amazing amount of difference, you know, being able to just thank people for helping me to recognize other people for the fact that this book did not happen on my, like, just because of me, this was so many people and recognizing them publicly and privately and bringing my family into this ministry and this incredible um, journey that we're in right now. This season of life has been so fun and it's completely unexpected. And I, I think that, that that grateful heart has really been the the story that God has been writing for me that, you know, when we live out of that place of thankfulness and gratitude, then we do find ourselves in those seasons where we just feel content with where God has us. And to be able to share that story with other people has been just absolutely a pleasure. I love that. And I think that's a beautiful way to end this interview. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the Restory Show today. Crystal, do you mind if I pray for you? Oh, I would love that. Jesus, thank you for Holy Hustle. Thank you for the message within its pages. Thank you for all the blood, sweat, and tears and the lessons that she's learned about contentment, joy, and Sabbath and rest. And I pray for her family that it would continue to go forward in those lessons. And thank you for keeping her grounded in our home community. And I pray for those out there listening today who are, maybe they're broken by the circumstances of life or their job has let them down or they um, are disillusioned or maybe they're coveting what somebody else has or they're crippled by comparison. And Lord, I pray for deliverance today. I pray for um, a, a deep sense of contentment, an ability to be grateful and thankful in the midst of hard times. And Lord, we don't necessarily ask that you would remove the stress from our lives. Um, we ask that you would remove anything that you want to remove from our lives. But I understand that sometimes those trials, those temptations, those stresses come in to test our faith and produce in us the quality of endurance. So I pray for those today who desperately need endurance. I pray you would infuse it into their lives. And we, we just want to end this prayer by thanking you for all you've done for us, Jesus, by setting us free and giving us a story. It's been such a beautiful thing to experience um, your storytelling in our lives. So I thank you, Jesus, and I pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. So, amen. If you'd like to know more about today's show, you can go to RestoryShow.com for the latest episode information. And may you live a brand new story this week.